Hi friends, welcome to Bookish Bliss, our virtual book club. Every week we will dig into a section of chapters in our favorite books. Let's get started. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to episode three of Bookish Bliss. We have a lot to discuss today. Yes, we do. This week we'll be covering chapters 21 to 32 of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. There will be no spoilers beyond the covered chapters. You don't have to read the whole book to listen. You just have to be caught up on the chapters we're covering. Amanda, what are you drinking tonight? Finally, an alcoholic <laughs> beverage, Megan. <laughs> I am drinking Pinot Noir Mark West. I may or may not have had some the other night <laughs> yes you did i did not drink that bottle by myself <laughs> i am having the same thing from last week because i didn't want to waste the bottle and we've had such a busy week yes, that we have. i have not had time to finish this so we're gonna drink the rest of it tonight perfect i love it yes. let's cheers let's cheers to episode three halfway through it's so wild that after we record this episode, we'll officially be halfway done with Agaton. I know. That is so crazy to me. I feel like we just started. I know, I know. <laughs> <sighs> now, let's get started with the good stuff and break down Akatar Part 3. Over to you, Meg. Please summarize this set of chapters for us. So, just like every week before this, I'm going to do a brief summary of each of the chapters, and then later on in the episode, we will be breaking down and digging a little bit deeper into what happened in these current crazy chapters. So, chapter one. The beautiful man was full of sensual grace. He was not wearing a mask, so he must be from another court. Feyre finds him arrogant. He tells her all monsters are allowed to roan on Kalanmai. Lucian is hysterical when he finds Feyre at Fire Night and runs her back to the manor. Tamlin must perform the great rite to replenish the land by having a rendezvous with another female. After Fire Night is over, Tamlin and Feyre are in the hall and they have a steamy encounter. Chapter 22. Feyre is giddy the next morning, even though she has a huge bruise on her neck that she is showing off. Tamlin is like, if she cannot follow orders, then he is not responsible for his actions. The word fairy pig is tossed out by Feyre, but after a bouquet of white roses, all is forgiven. Feyre wears a dress and Lucian leaves dinner to let Tam Tam and Feyre have a dinner date. She gives him a painting as a present, even though he picks one of the most depressing ones, reminding him that he is not alone. Sad. Chapter 23, Tam Tam and Feyre have an enchanted forest date where he kisses her eyes and removes the glamour from her. She can now see the world how the fairy lands truly are. Tamlin tells her as she is lulled to sleep by the forest, you're exactly as I dreamed you'd be too. Swoon. <laughs> Chapter 24. The next morning she has jump scare after jump scare as Alice now has skin made of tree bark and the entire manor is full with fairies that apparently have always been there. We learn the blight is acting up again and Vera finds a severed head by the fountain the next day that belonged to the night court. Apparently, according to Tam Tam and Lucian, the night court is full of horrible people. Vera tells Tammy he is not like his father and even though she wants to know more, she can wait. Chapter Chapter 25. Tamlin is called overnight to the borders, but lets Vera know that he's okay. Aww. <laughs> we see all three of our main characters participate in summer solstice where Feyre gets drunk off of fairy wine and dances until the sun is rising. Feyre and Tam Tam share a dance and some steamy kisses. Their first mm. real kisses. According to our girl, this was the happiest moment of her life. Chapter 26. Feyre, Tamlin, and Lucian have a late lunch where Lucy Baby tries not to gag on his lunch while Feyre and Tamlin make hard eyes at each other. Lucian tells Tamlin about some horrific news coming from the Winter Court. Before they can process this information, we see the beautiful man from Fire Knight return, who happens to be the High Lord of the Night Court. He demands to know why Tamlin has done nothing to save himself or his 
lands in the 49 years that he's had to do so. Feyre was glamored when he first entered the room, but he discovers her and he's not happy to see her. Tamlin and Lucian beg on their knees to not tell Amarantha about Feyre. Reese tells them he can't wait to see all of them under the mountain before he vanishes. Everything is building up. Chapter mm-hmm. 27. Tamlin makes Feyre and Lucian leave the room before he has a fit and destroys all the furniture. Later, he comes to see Feyre in her room and he tells her he is sending her home. He can no longer protect her. He cannot even protect himself. He would be destroyed if anything happened to her. They end up having a very steamy night together and before she drifts off to sleep, he says, I love you, thorns and all. Chapter 28. Today is the day she is heading back to the mortal lands. She doesn't like long goodbyes, so she lets Alice dress her in a wealthy mortal fashion dress and heads down the stairs. Lucian is not happy. I thought you were smarter than this. Lucian begs to give her a few more days, but Tamlin dismisses him. Tamlin says his goodbye, says that he loves her, but Feyre does not say it back. She does not want to be a burden to him. She arrives at her family's new manor, which is almost as big as Tamlin's. Elaine fills her in on how they came back into their fortune. Her father cried seeing her again, and Nesta just watched and observed her quietly. Mm. Chapter 29. Feyre spends her day hanging out with Elaine in her garden while her father counts Feyre's new fortune from Tamlin. Feyre takes a visit to her old cottage where she feels feelings of hatred. She misses Tamlin and hopes that he is not in danger. Chapter 30. She walks her old village handing out money to the poorest. She sees Isaac and his new wife and the most shocking part of this chapter is we learn that Nesta never believed the glamour. It never worked on her. She hired the mercenary to go to Perithian to get Feyre back because it wasn't right, but she couldn't find her way into the wall. Chapter 31. Feyre throws a ball in her honor. Nothing all that exciting happens, and the next morning, Feyre learns that Claire Better's family's house burned down and no one found her body. That was the name she had given Resand when Tamlin begged him not to report back to Amarantha. Feyre knows she needs to immediately go back to Perthian to help Tamlin in any way that she can. When she finally makes the journey back to the manor, it is destroyed and nobody is there. Which brings us to chapter 32. This chapter is a doozy so I'll keep this short and sweet and we can discuss it all during our plot and notable line section. There is no blight, it was a lie, there was a curse Feyre failed to break, and now Tamlin, Perithian, and the mortal world is doomed. Done, done, done. Oh my god, I cannot wait to get there. Yes, we have a lot to say about chapter 32. So, yes, but bef- I hope everyone has time today. Everyone, get your <laughs> glass of wine and get ready to listen to this chapter. But before we get to that section, Amanda, I'm going to hand this off to you so you can get us up to date on what our characters have been doing. Yes, of course. So we do have a few new characters to introduce. But first, let's talk about the ones we know and love. Alice, we learn, is from the Summer Court. Her kind is known as Eurisk. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. We'll go with it. Feyre's fam is back, but with a new look and attitude. Thanks to Tamlin, they are wealthy again, and their father is all about business and fitting in with the wealthy crowd. The joy has been brought back to Elaine. She lives happily tending to her garden and wishes to eventually tend to a greenhouse full of vegetables. Way to wait until you're rich again to think of that one, Elaine. Yeah, where was that thought eight years ago? (laughs) These ones, I'll never understand. Mm. Nesta. Oh, Nesta. (laughs) Where do I even begin? This bitch and her strong mind could not be glamored by Tamlin. She knew something was up the entire time. She went after Feyre, something that Feyre never expected to hear from her. But... She was stopped at the wall, unable to find a way in. She doesn't end up marrying Thomas Mandray. 
When she decides to go after Feyre and knows he would not accompany her, she realizes he is not the one. She's finally changed into the big sister Feyre needs and wants. The only thing that hasn't changed is her hate towards her father. I know. That was so shocking to hear that Nesta was the only one. Yes, I was shocked that it was Nesta of all people. I knew there was something up when we started seeing how quiet she was being, not even talking to Elaine. So I was like, she knows something. Yeah, definitely. But I did not expect it for to be her to go after her. Yeah, I have a few things more to say about this, but I'll save it for later. Okay. Favorite and Tamon are finally falling for each other. Mm. Their relationship has literally gone from 0 to 100 in this set of chapters. We get some romantic kiss scenes, some baby-making scenes. Tamlin has said I love you to Feyre twice, but she just cannot say those words back to him. Nope, she can't. Nope. Now let's move on to our newer characters. We've known them up to this point as the mystery man and the evil she, but we finally learn who they are and what they're all about. Mm -hmm. Mystery Man slash Resand, High Lord of the Night Court, has short black hair, pale skin, and blue eyes so deep they were violet. He's dressed in all black, finely made, as if he was molded from the night itself. Lucian called him Amarantha's whore. He has a history with Tamlin and claims to have taught him a thing or two over the centuries. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I was really shocked with that scene with them and how evil he was. I did not think... He was going to be like that off the bat. Mm. (laughs) I kind of thought he was going to be like another charming high fae, but, or high lord, but. I'll just say, I think there's a lot going on and a lot can be maybe not as it seems. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Mm, Okay. Amarantha is the high queen of Prithian. She was the sickness. She was the blight. She was the deceiver who lived there for 50 years and who trapped the spring court in their masks. She was close with the King of Hybron and Tamlin's father. She knew Tamlin since he was a child and wanted nothing more than to be romantically involved with him. Which is gross. You knew him as a child, you weirdo. But anyways, her rage upon Prithian stems from her younger sister, Clithia, and the love of her life. The feeling was not mutual. A human warrior, Jirian, who was just using her to get to Amarantha. We will dig into these characters more later in this episode when discussing the plot since this scene in chapter 32 is way too important and dense to in the character section. For sure. We'll start the world building section with the ceremonies. Mm. First, we have the fire night, which we covered last episode, but we learn about what the great rite ritual is in this set of chapters. The crops depend on the magic they regenerate during Kalanmai. They do this by conducting the great rite. Each of the seven high lords perform this every year since their magic comes from the earth and returns back to it in the end. It's give and take. Tam will allow great and terrible magic to enter his body. The magic will seize control of his mind, his body, his soul, and turn him into the hunter. It will fill him with his sole purpose to find the maiden. From their coupling, magic will be released and spread to the earth, where it will regenerate life for years to come. He won't even know his name. The magic will consume everything in him except the one basic command and need. Once he kills the white stag for the sacrificial offering, he will make his way to the sacred cave where female fairies will be lined up to be chosen to mate with him. It's an honor to be chosen, but it's It's his instincts that select her. Once Tamlin chooses, the rest of the male and female fairies can mingle and their dalliances will help the land too. Sounds like a big orgy to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's just such an interesting ritual. I know. I was not thinking that when I was predicting what the great right ritual was going to be. I know. I was thinking in my head like she's going to die when she finds out what this really is. Wild. Like the last thought in my brain would be a giant orgy, but... 
Side-eye to all of them. Summer solstice was a celebration conducted now in the spring court since things were different due to the blight. Solstice celebrates when the sun outshines the night and it is celebrated in summer. It's on the longest day of the year. All fairies can relax and let their hair down and enjoy being fairy. There's singing, dancing, and excessive drinking. Fiddles and drums and merry music played all day and all night. It was light and joyous. Faber described it as the mirthful sister to the bloodthirsty fire night. Mm, a much more fun party than the Great Right. Yes. Sounds like a party I would want to go yeah, to. Yeah, I want to drink fairy <laughs> wine and dance around in circles for hours. Yes, same. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> now on to our magic count. Magic! Yeah! My favorite section. I know, I love this section too. While at dinner with only Tamlin, wearing a dress for the first time, mm. Favorite thinks Tamlin is too far away, so he makes the larger table between them vanish and makes a smaller, more intimate table appear between them. She asks how he did that. He tells her to think of it as a broom closet tucked between pockets of the world. Hmm, that's interesting. I wish I had a broom closet where I could just make things vanish and disappear into. You know what I was thinking when he said this was, why couldn't he make that infirmary closet a little bit bigger instead of the closet that it was? True. Where was the pocket then? Yeah, where was it, Tamlin? <laughs> Tell us. Favorite takes Tamlin to see her paintings, and he does his thing with the candles again, but a little slower this time. Hmm. Favorite and Tamlin visit a new grassy glen, that was watched over by a weeping willow that sings and has a clear brook running through it. Although the willow tree can sing, Feyre can't hear it. Tamlin says he can give her the ability to hear it and to see his world, to smell and taste it. But there is a price, a kiss. He kissed her eyelids and everything changed. And no, I don't mean that everything changed just in this moment, but we will discuss later in the episode. Tamlin also glamored himself so that he would look as normal as he could since the mask was still stuck to his face. We learned shortly after that that Tamlin also glamored Feyre so that she couldn't see the rest of the fairies in the spring court or some of their true forms. What? Alice has tree bark for skin? <laughs> <laughs> We don't have Tara on for tonight because we totally forgot to tell her to join us. But our friend Tara at our book club meeting was telling us about this hilarious story about when our friend Abby, also in our book club, was talking about Alice from A Court of Thorns and Roses. And Abby said to her, can you believe that Alice's skin is made of bark? She's a tree. And Tara was like, what? She's a tree? (laughs) And so she had to go back and read in the book in that section where it says that because Abby had (laughs) sent her a picture of what Alice would look like and she was like who the fuck is that (laughs) and we were all just crying laughing at this story but I was telling my mom about this in preparation for us filming tonight and I was telling her how we were going to tell this story about Alice and how her skin is made of bark and she's kind of like a tree and my mom said Alice is a tree so (laughs) Tara I just wanted to let you know that it was not just you that totally skimmed over that part Oh my god, that's hilarious. You're not alone, Tanya. (laughs) So funny. Wow. So funny. Tamlin and Lucian glamoured Feyre to hide her from the approaching visitor, aka Mystery Man, aka Resand. 
Resand uses his abilities to reach into Feyre's mind and expose her thoughts of Tamlin. This was a creepy part they, and sounded really painful. They were some spicy thoughts, though. They were. Yeah. He obviously knew they were lying about being Lucian's betrothed. Yes. He's like, why is she thinking this about you, Tamlin? Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, fishy. And lastly, Feyre was knocked out with magic again and forced to sleep on her journey home. That's all the magic that I captured from this section. Did I miss anything, Megan? Not that I can think of. I think that's okay, good. all the major <laughs> magic portions that we saw during these chapters. Now, let's go back to chapter 21 and start a discussion of the plot and our notable lines. I cannot wait to get to chapter 32, so let's dig right in. Oh my goodness. Here we go. I am so excited to dig in here and to talk about all these chapters, but like Amanda said, super excited to get to chapter 32, and I hope you guys are excited to talk about that one too. All right, so chapter 21, it kind of picks up right where we left off in chapter 20, where Feyre has just met this beautiful man, this stranger that she's never seen before, and he is not wearing a mask. She says that he is radiating sensual grace and ease. He wants to know, what a mortal woman is doing at fire night. She lies and say that her female friends brought her and he says, you're welcome for saving you. Feyre finds him so arrogant. He also wants to know why she's not terrified. She was like, well, I'm terrified of you, but I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) I mean, maybe he can smell it on her, but he's not calling her out fully on it. Yeah. She told him that her friends were going to get refreshments. So... (laughs) That's how he knew she was lying because there was nothing around them that would have anything for refreshments. Yeah. She says, even though she knows that she should be leaving, she says to him, so you're not a part of the spring court? He looks at himself and is like, does it look like I'm a part of the noble spring court? He touches his face where there's no mask. He says all the monsters are allowed to roam on Kalanmai. She walks away from him as fast as she can, trying to catch her breath. She was shaking after her first encounter with this beautiful man. Mm-hmm. Lucian catches her. So she flees from this beautiful mystery man and basically bumps right into Lucian. And he is hysterical that she has showed up to fire night and is like, Tamlin cannot catch you here. So he throws her over his shoulder and basically sprints back to the manor and throws her inside. That's when Lucian explains to her what the Great Rite is. And Lucian said if Tamlin had smelled her, he would have taken her to the cave to perform the great rite, but it would not have been Tamlin, and the night was not for lovemaking. Once Mm. Tamlin makes his selections, the other male fairies can have their dalliances, like you've said. Lucian says to stay locked in her room until morning, no matter who comes knocking. He had to get back to the right and try to control Tamlin when he smells Feyre, but would not be able to find her in the crowd. Feyre goes up to her room and she wakes up abruptly when the drums stop and she undoes the trap that she set and sets out to go get a snack. (laughs) 
she's told numerous times not to leave this room, but now she's undoing her traps again to go get a 2 a.m. snack. The nerve. Right? Tamlin finds her and tells her he was looking for her, but when he couldn't find her, he had to choose someone. Yes, this is actually my notable line. So I will read it for us. Page 196. She asked me not to be gentle with her either. He snarled, his teeth bright in the moonlight. He brought his lips to my ear. I would have been gentle with you, though. I shuddered as I closed my eyes. Every inch of my body went taut as his words echoed through me. I would have had you moaning my name through it all. And I would have taken a very, very long time, Feyre. Amanda! (laughs) Spicy! Do you see what I mean from zero to 100, though? Yeah. It literally was like going from a kiss on the cheek to this. Yeah, zero to 100. Our queen has a great response to this. She says, why would I want someone's leftovers? Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) She tries to get him to go away, but he bites her. He bit her. He bit her. Held her in place by biting her neck. But she is feeling some type of way. She is not reacting how we just reacted to hearing that she was bit in the (laughs) neck to be held into place. They start grinding all over each other. But when she moans, he pushes back and says, don't ever disobey me again. And she smacks him straight across the face and tells him he can't tell her what to do. Woo! Woo! Love to see it. Yes. She is turned on though. And he smells it. He growls once before walking away from her. Chapter 22. Feyre wakes up the next morning feeling giddy and put her bruise from Tam Tam on display. She saw both Lucian and Tam struggling that afternoon and she gave them a bright hello walking into the dining room. Lucian comments on her good mood and she tells him that she slept like a babe. He notices the bruise because she went and sat across from Lucian instead of her normal place from across from Tamlin. So she's playing a little game with these two this morning. Mm -hmm. She tells Lucian he can ask Tamlin about it because he was the one who did this to her. Tamlin says he bit her and if she cannot follow orders, then he would not be responsible for his actions. Both him and Lucian told her to stay in her room last night. Now her good mood is gone. They're not playing along how she wanted them to play along. So she calls them both fairy pigs and leaves the room with Tamlin grinning and Lucian hollering. She paints them as fairy pigs, which I want to see what this painting looks like. I was dying when this whole scene was going on. Yeah. <laughs> like she would just freaking paint them with pig features. I know. I just want to see Lucian's reactions and I want to know his thoughts. I know I said this last time, but I need this story retold from Lucian's point of view. I know. That would be amazing. Later that night at dinner, Tamlin gives her a bouquet of white roses from his parents' garden. So all is well in the manor tonight between Feyre and Tam Tam. Though Lucian did not give her an apology gift for making fun of her. So he can stay a fairy pig apparently the next night she decides to wear a dress to dinner which is the first time she has allowed alice to dress her this way alice is delighted but favor reminds her she will still be wearing her normal clothes during the day but she was trying this out just for tonight and alice says good thing you're not losing all of your common sense entirely then (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, doesn't she ask her too if, if she's feeling okay? <laughs> yeah, I love Alice and Feyre's bond in their relationship. Me too. Me too. Like Amanda said earlier, we learned that Alice is from the summer court and she chose to be in the spring court to help her family and do what she could, which we will learn about a little bit later in chapter 32. When Feyre shows up in the dining room with the dress, Lucian not so subtly says he has somewhere important to be and leaves Feyre and Tamlin alone. Feyre wants to call him out to have him stay, but she doesn't. She has Tamlin's undivided attention. She calls out the table is so big and he's so far away, so he just snaps his finger and makes the table smaller with magic. Yes, this is my notable ad for this chapter, so I'll read it. Page 202. You could have just taken a closer seat, Feyre says. Tamlin responded with, and missed the chance to show off to a beautiful woman? Never. Ooh, the flirting. He's definitely openly flirting with her now. There's less and less awkwardness between them. I think they're still Mm -hmm. nervous around each other, but they're definitely getting bolder in their moves towards each other. But I guess after you pin someone to a wall with your mouth on their neck and you're grinding all over each other, I guess the boundaries start to get a little bit looser anyways. Yeah, I mean, it can't get more awkward than that. (laughs) Dry humping each other while you bite her neck. When there's probably a ton of fairies like around them that she can't see. Oh my god. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Now they are having a more intimate dinner and he serves her and he tells her that she looks beautiful. After dinner, she notices his shoulders are tight, his lips are thin, and she can see the burden that is on him. She tells him to come with her and they hold hands all the way to her painting room that she keeps locked. Tamlin knew that she had asked Alice for a key, but he was shocked to see that she actually was locking up her painting room. And she basically says that she doesn't trust Tamlin or Lucian to not go and peek to see what her paintings were. So she asks him to light the room, which he struggles. He said his magic takes concentration now. And after the table, he seemed to be a little bit weaker. And I think he's just a little worn down from all these attacks on the land, the blight, getting a little bit more unpredictable and crazy. He's had more to deal with. And so I think he is just really straining his magic to its limit. Which I think is what she wanted this whole time. Mm. for him to just be drained and drained and drained until he has nothing left. Wear him down. Mm -hmm. She shows Tamlin her paintings of the Glen and says it's a gift for him, but he chooses to look around the room at her other paintings. The woods, her cottage, Isaac, which he was a little bit jealous about, her father's (laughs) tragedy, and he decides that he doesn't want the painting of the Glen of where they had kind of their first romantic date together, even though Lucian was there third wheeling. She wants to know how she can help him with the masks, with the blight, but he tells her there is nothing that she can do. Yes, so this is actually another notable line I picked out in this chapter, page 206. Tamlin says, No, I don't want you to live somewhere else. I want you here where I can look after you, where I can come home and know you're safe. That was sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He just wants the little favorite to be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know there's so much love and happiness going on that I just knew something was going to ruin it. All good things must come to an end. Yes. (laughs) He doesn't want her to leave. He thought about sending her away to live somewhere comfortable when she could care less about the treaty and kept trying to leave, but he says he was so 
selfish. And though he's had many lovers over the years, he was taking this painting from her because it reminded him that he was not alone. So she finally makes him feel not alone in this world. So he's had mm-hmm. many connections, which I really don't feel like we needed to tell her that, but maybe after the yeah. painting with Isaac, he was just trying to throw a little jab in there. A little shade. Yeah. But with her in his house, he feels less alone with everything that he has to deal with. So that night, Feyre does not lock her bedroom door. Does she think Tam Tam's gonna show up in the middle of the night and she's gonna get a little action? (laughs) She was definitely hoping for it. I know, she didn't lock the door. Or was that just a metaphor for her comfort now? Her comfort level. Maybe it was a little bit of both. So she feels a little <laughs> bit safer in the manor. And yeah. she wants Tamlin to show up in her bedroom in the middle of the night. I think it's a little yeah, bit of both. I agree. Chapter 23. Tamlin takes her on an excursion into the Enchanted Forest. But this time, it's without Lucian. He says he has very important work to do and he cannot come along and hang out. Tamlin and Feyre are relaxing in the forest and he apologizes for falling asleep. He says that the willow sings him to sleep and he just can't help it. He just gets so tired and he falls asleep. She says the willow is not singing. (laughs) What are you talking about? And Tamlin explains that she cannot see or hear his world. He can show her, but it comes with a price. And the price is a kiss. She agrees to this a little bit more quickly than he thought she would. And he tells her to close her eyes. He lightly brushes his lips on each of her eyes. And then all of a sudden she can hear the birds in the willow tree singing to her. So she can finally see and hear what Tamlin was talking about. What she can also see is that Tamlin is glowing and that's why he couldn't hide from his family who he truly was with all of that power. So he knew once his family saw all of this that he was going to eventually be the High Lord and it wasn't something that he was ever expecting was going to happen. He didn't want it, but he really just could not hide who he was. He was a glowing, powerful being. She asks if there's truly no way to take the masks off and she tries to pull it off. She then gives gives a description of what she thinks he looks like because he's like, what do you think that I look like? He then asks her for the payment of giving her the sight, the smell, the taste of his land and she kisses the back of his hand super hard and then lays back down on the grass. She is feeling sleepy because now she's feeling the effects of that willow tree and is singing her to sleep. Tamlin thinks he should take her home but instead of doing that, he lays down next to her. She thinks it's a lovely dream and is all curled up next to him. And he says, you're exactly as I dreamed you'd be too. Oh, that's getting so romantic. Yeah, when she's asleep. (laughs) Yeah, he is being romantic. And this did make me swoon a little bit. And I didn't Mm -hmm. expect that to happen to me again (laughs) reading this book for the second or third time or whatever it is. Yeah. But I wish he would do more things like this when she's awake. I know he told her know. that she was beautiful and the, when they were having dinner and whatnot, but I wish he said things like this when she was awake. Yeah. Well, knowing what I know now in chapter 32, I feel he almost maybe feels guilty. And that's why he only does it when she's asleep so that she can't answer him without knowing his true intentions. Mm. Not that he he's not falling for her too. I truly believe that he is falling for her too, but mm-hmm. it wasn't always the plan for that to happen that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Chapter 24. She wakes up in her room the next morning. 
knowing that Tamlin must have carried her all the way back and she sees a fairy with tree bark for skin and she wants to know where Alice is and the fairy is like have you lost your mind I am Alice (laughs) which this part will always just crack me up now I know Yeah. Now that Tamlin took the glamour off, she can see everyone for how they truly are. She knows he did this because she was a cowering human and she never would have left her room if she could see how many people were truly here and what they actually looked like. When she makes her way down to breakfast, the halls are bustling with High Fae and other fairies who seem shocked to notice her attention. She is thankful Lucian looks the same, but she doesn't think he would ever bother trying to hide who he truly was. Lucy, baby! is gonna be who he always is. He is not gonna hide nothing. Nope. Tamlin explained that they had been there the whole time. (laughs) He had glamoured his court so that she would only see the essential people. The others that she did see were not a part of his court and he had no control over that. So the fairies at Fire Night that she saw, the blue fairy that came in in the cereal. So he has no control over those people because they weren't a part of Mm -hmm. his court. So that's why she could see them. I love when he makes fun of her too for being tricked by the puka and saying everybody was watching her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ooh, she must have been mortified. I know. She says, I thought I was being so stealthy, except the entire court was watching her run to yeah. her death. <laughs> <laughs> But nobody so stopped her. No. I wonder if even if they tried to stop her, if she would even be able to hear or see them because of yeah. the glamour. Probably not. Probably not. Do you think that somebody tipped Tamlin off and actually saw her but couldn't do anything about it? So that's how Tamlin gets to her first? Maybe. I know he was coming back <laughs> from hunting or whatever he was doing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure someone said something to him. And that's why Alice knows everything that she's doing because they're all talking to her. Oh, yes. <laughs> Tamlin also explains that she didn't see the Ator because Tamlin threw the glamour over her that time. I need a description of the Ator because he seems scary, but we don't really hear anything other than you don't want to know what he looks like. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, we're going to know real Ooh. soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tamlin explains to her that the blight is acting up again. And if she sees or hears a fairy that makes her uncomfortable to run, he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. She doesn't even offer to help because she knows he won't let her. So she's kind of given up to this fact that Tamlin is yeah. never going to accept her help. The next day, she wakes up and she's going to go paint near the fountain. And when she arrives, she finds the head of a high fae spiked on the fountain. She drops her paints and finds Tamlin behind her. Lucian goes to get the head off the fountain. They see a marking on the side of his neck that shows that he is a part of the night court. They said that the night court is full of sadistic killers and they live by their own corrupt morals. This is something the high lord of the night court would find amusement with, that they could get in and get out of their borders without knowing. Feyre wanted to know if this was connected to the blight and Tamlin said no, just they know that the wards are weakening and if the night court did enter their lands that they would be ready. She asks about the humans when the treaty was made and were they happy to leave. Tamlin says they were though they had never lived in the mortal lands. He was happy to see them leave even if his father wasn't. Vera reminds him that he is not his father and that she has never felt like a prisoner or cattle while she's been in the spring court. Which is interesting because she is a prisoner of Perithian anyways due to this treaty breach and 
and you spent the yeah. first couple of chapters trying to figure out how to get out of there. So I'm not quite sure how you <laughs> never felt like a prisoner. I guess you never were locked up in a jail cell, but you couldn't leave. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess he did give her the option to stay in his estate, though, or go somewhere else in Prithian. So maybe that's what guess, she's referring to But I guess the here. longer the time she's been there, I think the more and more she's forgetting how she got there in the first place. She knows that there is more that Tamlin is not telling her, but she is not going to push him. He gave her the time and respect, and now she is going to give him the same. Though, I feel like she has kind of given him a lot of time to kind of tell her what is going on, but I guess we'll have to come back to that when we're discussing chapter 32. Which brings us to chapter 25. Tamlin is called away to the borders, and he stays overnight. He tells Lucian to head back and tell Feyre that he is alive. She feels like her mortal heart is going to be broken, carrying down this path with Tam Tam, but she cannot stop. Summer Solstice is here and she spent weeks exploring the lands with Tamlin and painting. So spring is over and now we are heading into summer. She actually gets to participate in Mm -hmm. Summer Solstice and she wears a dress with a flower crown. Lucian says, cauldron boil me. She looks positively fey. I love the cauldron. Yeah. Cauldron, no. Cauldron, (laughs) boil me. (laughs) Tam Tam is looking her up and down. He is liking what he sees. But all three head to the party and when they get there, she can finally see everyone in attendance and they are gawking right back at her. But a low warning growl from Tamlin has them finding something else to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Feyre goes to get food and she loses Tamlin and Lucian. Though she doesn't mind being alone, looking all the ribbons in sight so she can paint later. I think it's very interesting that they're always up her butt, like when, especially when other fairies around. But you know, tonight we're just gonna let her be and let her roam around by herself. I know. (laughs) The second we get here, we don't care anymore. Lucian does pop back up when she's about to take a drink and warns her not to drink the fairy wine. She downs two cups anyways. She's like, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, which is a very favorite thing to do, to do the exact opposite of what everyone says. Yeah. Though she was sick of Lucian giving her terrible advice because a couple weeks ago, he told her that eating witch berries would be fine, which ended up causing her to have hallucination for hours that made him laugh so hard that Tamlin had to chuck him into the fountain. Now that is a scene that I would have loved to have watched. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) It's like basically he drugged her <laughs> yeah he's like this will be hilarious for my amusement yeah. i'm gonna do this anyways even though it'll probably piss tamlin off but the consequences will be so worth it yeah Feyre, after she is drunk off fairy wine the effects hit her immediately and she is giggling and laughing and she just wants to dance and even though lucian is trying to stop her she makes it in front of the musicians and starts to dance one of the musicians is very familiar and tam tam is playing the fiddles so we get to see him in all of his fiddle glory. Playing that mean fiddle. He is sweaty and jamming out on his instrument. And he says, don't worry about it, Lucian. I'll look after her. Lucian doesn't need to hear anymore and takes off. <laughs> I just can imagine how Tamlin is like, I'm going to impress her with my mighty fiddle skills. Yeah. She wants to dance, I'll make music for her to dance to. <laughs> yeah, I'll give her something to dance to. Yeah. Though Tamlin says that he'll look after her, she looks at Tam Tam and says, I do not need a keeper, but he actually agrees with her this time because apparently on summer solstice, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. And he tells her to dance and dance. And so she did 
for a long time. We also see Tamlin get on his knees for her and give a fiddle solo. And she is very impressed by this. I can just imagine this. I don't even want to think about it too much because I'm just going to not be able to make it through the rest of this recording. I know, I know just me crying he then dances with her out of nowhere she's like oh my god who's touching me and apparently it's tamlin and he dances with her until the music stops and he asks her to go somewhere with him she wants to keep dancing but when he says he wants to show her something she agrees he's always like i want to show you something and she's like okay yeah Just show me something. <laughs> the will-o'-wisps are what he wants to show her. And they are sprites. And they are there to sing their summer solstice songs. And Tamlin asks her to dance. She tried to remember from when she was a child, but Tamlin keeps her upright. He then says that he wants to kiss her. And she's like, what are you waiting for? Just do it already. <laughs> We've been waiting forever for you to finally make the first move, Literally, Tamlin. what chapter is this? He's already bit her and kissed her cheek, but now we're finally getting a kiss on the lips. Thank God. The first kisses are gentle and exploratory, but she says to him when he stops, that's it. That's all you're going to give me after all this buildup. And their next kiss is rougher, more fierce, and their hands are exploring all over their bodies. Heating up. (laughs) He gives her one last kiss on her eyebrow and tells her that they're going to miss it. And she's like, what are we going to miss? I want to stay right here. (laughs) I'm having so much fun right where we're at. He takes her to the top of another hill where they watch the sunrise. He kisses her again slowly and deeply and she says that she never knew she could be this happy and she tells him this too yes and this is actually my notable line page 230 my father once told me that i should let my sisters imagine a better life a better world and i told him there was no such thing i never understood because i couldn't believe that it was even possible until now yeah tears are in her eyes they're pricking her eyes and she says this was the happiest moment of my life Mm. she's finally being able to just enjoy her existence enjoy her days without having to worry about anything even though i think we should all be worried just as worried and stressed as she used to be before about whatever this blade is but yeah it's okay right now we're drunk on fairy wine and we got our first <laughs> kiss with tam tam so we can be happy <laughs> exactly chapter 26 Feyre meets lucian and tamlin for lunch by the time they all wake up Feyre makes a comment if she can face him after he bit her then she can face him after a few kisses her and tamlin are teasing each other and she wants him to take her right there and then Lucian is gagging. He's like, I am trying to eat my lunch. Can you two please cut it out? (laughs) He takes Tamlin's attention back from Feyre and tells him that while he was out on patrol, a letter arrived from his contact at the Winter Court. The blight killed two dozen of their younglings. The grief that they are feeling are unimaginable. All of the other courts are getting hit with these beasts from the blight besides the Night Court. Interesting. I wonder why. (laughs) This was really sad though it was really sad because we know from alice that having a child as a high fae is very difficult and not very common so to lose two dozen of them is devastating and the children to them are more precious than jewels and gold and wealth and Mm -hmm. it's literally the most important thing to them and this blight just takes out two dozen of them like Mm -hmm. unimaginable so unimaginable Yeah. Before they can really process this any further, Tamlin growls. Someone is arriving and they go into defensive mode. Tamlin has Feyre go against the window and Lucian stands in front of her. She can taste magic. They have glamoured her. 
Tamlin then lounges back in his chair with his knives appearing around his body. And then he just starts picking at his fingernails, just trying to be <laughs> at ease, like no bother, yep, unfazed, common, yeah. <laughs> just an everyday moment in the manner. Can't show his fear because then he'll know that something's up. Exactly. So yeah. the beautiful man from Fire Night enters the room and we learn that his name is Resand. He taunts them telling Lucian that his fox mask was appropriate. He also alludes to the fact that he was the one who left them that little present at the fountain. Resand wants to know why in the 49 years Tamlin has been living at his estate instead of under the mountain, why he hasn't attempted to save his life or his lands. Tamlin says there is nothing to be done. Reese is still taunting him. What a pity it must be, everything he's had to endure, but an even bigger pity that he is just resigned to his fate. He is not taking control and trying to fix whatever needs to be done to end this blight. Lucian calls Rhysand Amaranthus whore, which Rhysand says he may be a whore, but at least he hasn't been sitting among the flowers while the whole world has gone to hell, which is an interesting comment to make. So I feel like he's clearly scheming. There's clearly something going on where he's saying, yeah, I might be her whore, but at least I haven't been sitting on my ass this whole time. Yeah, like he's doing something to save his court, but Hamlin isn't. Mm. Lucian says that they haven't been sitting around and Rhysand would soon see what they've been doing. Rhys says that Lucian's mother has been mourning him ever since he switched from the autumn to the spring court, just to keep taunting Lucian a little bit further. Mm-hmm. We then learn that Rhysand is the High Lord of the Night Court, and some more bickering continues between Lucian, Tamlin, and Resand before Tamlin says, Save it, Reese. You'll see me soon enough. We're going under the mountain. <laughs> we don't know that yet. Well, I guess we do. If you've read these chapters, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Reese then notices that the table is set for three and asks where their guest is. He is furious when he finds out that they glamored him. He looks past Lucian and sees that's where Feyre is hiding. Once he sees Feyre, he says, I remember you. It seems like you ignored my warnings about staying out of trouble, which I kind of wish Lucian or Tamlin commented on, but they don't move. They are now frozen in place watching this interaction between Resand and Feyre. Tamlin kind of keeps trying to intervene by saying stop this or leave her alone, but he's not making any steps forward to go anywhere near her or Resand. Yeah, I feel like they just don't want to make matters worse because they already know that they're fucked now that he knows about her. Yes. Lucian says that Feyre is his betrothed and he pushes Lucian to the side and takes the knife out of Feyre's hand and throws it across the room. He wants to know why she isn't running and screaming away from the spring court and away from these people. She looks confused. She has no idea what he's talking about and then he starts laughing. He realizes she doesn't know what's about to happen. He then enters Feyre's mind and she says it feels like a claw like scratching against her mind and it's not... Uh. A very pleasant feeling. He starts reading her thoughts and all the dirty thoughts that she's had about Tamlin. Tamlin keeps telling him to stop, but he doesn't move to step in, like I said. Tamlin then begs Reese. He gets on his knees mm-hmm. along with Lucian for Reese not to tell Amarantha about Feyre. Reese says, as her whore, shouldn't I have to tell her that she would love to rip Feyre to shreds and watch Tamlin's reaction while she does it? Reese also mentions that she would have been the one for Tamlin if they both weren't so stubborn, but it's too late 
now. It's actually not too late in this moment, but I don't know. I think he was in Figaro's mind, so he can see how uh, the future. I don't know if he can see the future, but I think he can see how resistant Figaro is to saying yeah. how she truly feels about anything. Because Figaro yeah. herself is like, I don't know if I should have said this. I don't know if I should be saying this out loud. I don't want to burden him. So I think he can see when he's looking into her mind and through her thoughts that she's so stubborn. Tamlin is so stubborn that. That they're never going to yeah. get where they need to be in the amount of time that they have left. Yeah, and even we've seen all of her actions or responses to Tamlin are not what happens in her head. Exactly. <laughs> so she yeah. thinks one thing, but does the exact opposite when she's with Tamlin. Yeah, she's like, "I love you, but I ain't gonna yeah. say it." <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Reason wants to know what Feyre's name is, but she lies. She tells him that her name is Claire Bedor. Reese tells them that this is the most fun that he's had in ages and that he can't wait to see all of them under the mountain and then he vanishes. Poof. So this is actually my notable line for this chapter, page 241. Well, this was entertaining. The most fun I've had in ages, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing you three under the mountain. I'll give Amarantha your regards. Ooh, I was right. I knew they were going under the mountain. <laughs> They'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> Amarantha is coming. Here she goes. Wait, this is, what is going on? I'm so tired. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we are at chapter 27. So close. So close. Tamlin made Feyre and Lucian leave the room after their encounter with Rhysand and she all but runs to her bedroom and she is not going to fight Tamlin on this. She needs a moment alone. She is still shaking mm-hmm. from after having Rhysand in her mind. Alice gives her a cup of hot chocolate. After every bad experience that Feyre has, there is Alice with a trusty cup of molten chocolate. Yes, thank God for Alice. She can hear Tamlin's roars and furniture being destroyed. Later that night, Tamlin comes to her room and tells her he is sending her home. He is taking on her life debt from the treaty and anyone who asks about it can deal with him. She asks, did I do something wrong? He says, no, that people would want to hurt her for what she means to him. And this is my notable line for this chapter, page 244. You can't because I can't. I can't even protect myself against them, against what's happening in Prithian. Even if we stood against the Blight, they would hunt you down and she would find a way to kill you. Doesn't look good for Clea. Nothing looks (laughs) good for anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Tamlin tells her when she gets home to go along with the lie that her family was told that she has been staying with her great aunt and now she is back home. He tells her not to say that she knows him, not to tell them where she has actually been and seen. Feyre wants to know when she can come back. She wants to stay with him and he can't answer her. And when she gets to forever, he kisses her and says, not forever, but she knows it's a lie. I know. She's like, can I come back next week? Can I come back next month? (laughs) She's like, will it be okay after? in a year can I come back and he cannot answer her and so when she gets to forever I think he's like I know you want to stay here but I have to protect you you have to go back to the mortal lands Mm. so what do they do before she has to head home they have they get it on dirty dirty sex (laughs) I just hear the song let's get it on this this is a musical episode of Akatar. yeah I know so they have a very romantic encounter. You know, they get a little steamy and 
and he's like I need to stop if I don't stop I'm not gonna be able to and she's like don't you dare and opens her legs <laughs> a little bit wider oh <laughs> I know they have a very intimate interaction twice there you go twice or that we yes. know of one after another yes <laughs> so after their encounter of romance he tells her that she is leaving tomorrow at dawn so that's kind of sucks like you finally have sex and then he's like no now you gotta go <laughs> now you'll never get it again so bye yeah. <laughs> She finally feels that Tamlin is more than her friend, more than her savior. The spring court is her home, and she doesn't know when she is going to see Tamlin or the spring court ever again. And this is just too much for her to bear. She finally feels that she has a home, a place in people's lives where she feels that she can live along beside them, not just be providing for them for their survival. And now that she finally feels comfortable, it's time for her to head back. Yeah. When she's finally not fighting to go and wants to stay, she has to leave. Exactly. This is like the only chapter she's not running back (laughs) to the wall. Literally. (laughs) And now she has to go. Mm -hmm. As she is drifting off to sleep and she thought she heard Tamlin say, I love you, thorns and all. Yeah, because she does mention that she feels like the thorn in his life, basically. In everyone's life. Yeah, in everyone's life. I love any part of the book where you figure out why the title is the title. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is why this scene right here. We get the roses with him giving her the white roses and explaining the love between his parents and that the rose garden was the Mm -hmm. gift. And now she's the thorn or she says she's the thorn, thinks that she's the thorn in people's lives. He says, I love you, thorns and all. Mm -hmm. But when she wakes up he is gone and she could have sworn she dreamed it all mm-hmm. she wishes she dreamed it I all know. but it really happened Vera. it really happened which brings us to chapter 28 alice is getting her ready to go back to the mortal world and she tells alice she doesn't like goodbyes and she puts on her ridiculous mortal dress alice doesn't like goodbyes either and Vera tells alice that she hopes she can see her nephews again but alice just wants her to take care of herself mm-hmm. as Vera walks down the stairs to get into the carriage to head back home, Lucian thinks that her dress is ridiculous and that he is glad that he doesn't have to live in the mortal world. He then says to her, I thought you were smarter than this. Tamlin tells him to stop and he would see him in the house after Lucian begs Tamlin to give Vera a few more days. So this is actually my notable line, page 250. He says, you're not going to give her a few more days? Just a few before you should send her back to the human cesspit? And Tamlin responds, it's not up for debate. So I feel like half of it is because he knows about the curse and is like, are you an idiot? We still have three days for her to say it and she's going to say it if you let her yeah. say. But I also think half of him is like, no, don't send her away. <laughs> we love her. <laughs> I do think if Tamlin had allowed her to stay those next couple of days that she would have said, I love you back. I think even if I she agree. had spent the rest of the day there she would have said it yeah i agree but i feel like again he's getting this guilty feeling inside of him because he knows that she doesn't know her saying it is going to break the curse which i don't think she would be mad about at this point but he's probably like she's gonna know about my intentions and maybe she won't feel that way and who knows maybe she wouldn't have felt that way but would have acted like she felt that way because 
she does everything opposite, so. I also think that he knows that if she says I love you and the curse is broken, Amarantha is showing up immediately to their doorsteps and he doesn't feel prepared for that because he doesn't yeah. know maybe how long it's going to take to get his powers back or if they'll come back. True. And can he take her on with favor by his side because she's terribly powerful and evil and he doesn't want favor to be slaughtered because of his love for her right exactly yeah that makes sense too for sure tamlin says goodbye to Farah. they quickly kiss and he says i will see you again which she doesn't say that she thinks is a lie this time when he said not forever no. she knew it was a lie but this time she doesn't think that in her head he says i will see you again when she gets into the carriage he tells her that he loves her again and when the carriage starts moving she doesn't say it back she doesn't want to be a burden on him the second the carriage hits the woods she is knocked out by fairy magic so she doesn't look back. She doesn't want to be this burden on Tamlin. She doesn't want to say, I love you too, and have him have this pressure on himself to handle the blight, right. to handle Amarantha, and then also worry about her. So I get why yeah. she doesn't say it, but at the same time, she could have just said it and this all would have been over. She could have said it and then gone. He would have got his powers, not had to worry about her, defeated Amarantha. And then she could have come back. Called it a damn day. Yeah. yeah. But our oh, girl does does not like to do things the easy way like we've said multiple times throughout these episodes and so now Feyre is back in the mortal world where she is not very happy to be. She arrives back at this manor house that she doesn't know and has never seen and she says that it's almost as big as Tamlin's. Nesta and Aline come out to greet her and they don't recognize her at first. They say, welcome lady to our house. Like some like <laughs> random ladies are just showing up at their house and Feyre's like, you don't recognize your own sister? She isn't a skeleton anymore. Yeah, I was just thinking that before you said it. They had mm-hmm. the dad invest money for this stranger. They had someone come and fix his leg. They had the ships found. So yeah. everything. They were set for life. Exactly. Yeah. Nesta, throughout all of this, though, is quiet and just observing her. And then as the mm-hmm. carriage left and took it back to Perithian. It took all of her will not to run back towards it into Tamlin, and she had this awful suspicion that she had just made a terrible mistake. Well, yes, Vera, you, you did. did. <laughs> <laughs> At least you recognize it. Yeah, she doesn't know what the mistake is, but she knows that she just yeah. made a terrible mistake. Well, especially because I think in this moment, she's thinking about the surreal and that he told her to stay with the High Lord and she'll be safe. So now she's like, oh shit, am I still going to be safe? Because I'm not with him, so. I know. I feel like it's interesting that she wasn't more insistent. I feel like I wish she would have told Tamlin what the surreal said, but anywho, she's back in the mortal That's true. Tamlin doesn't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Feyre's father cries when he sees her return and decides to throw a ball in her honor. The most unfair like thing, but okay. Yeah, like, let's just waste all this money that you have now and a ball, which is 
I don't even wear dresses, but cool. Let's throw a ball. Especially because they've gone from rich to poor back to rich. You would think they would understand saving the money. Like when you're just wealthy, you just spend Mm. because you don't know any better. But going from wealthy to poor and now you're just wealthy again. And they don't know that it's going to last forever, even though it is because Tamlin set it up. But you don't know. Exactly. Why are you fucking blowing it? What if something happens to Tamlin that it somehow goes away? Even though I think at this point with the investment that he's done and what they have that they're fine but I don't know I guess they also don't know where this money came from they don't know it came from Tamlin that's what I'm saying though so they should be more like damn we could lose it again I have to be smart this time this family is not smart no you're right (laughs) They're dummies. And over that day, a growing, lengthening shadow crept over Feyre's heart. That is how that chapter ends. Chapter 29. Her father is now busy continuing counting her new wealth that she didn't know she was coming back with from the lands. Tamlin sent clothes and big, big piles of jewels. But she just spent most of her days in the garden with Elaine. Elaine was so happy here and all of the staff loved Elaine, bringing her cookies and treats and drinks and just wanting to be around Elaine. She has this like glow about her here now that Mm -hmm. they have their wealth back. She talks about going to the continent next spring with Feyre to see these tulips that the father wants to show Elaine. And Feyre wants to know if she was not concerned about the social season that had just ended. And Elaine said she just felt weird about the social season and Nesta didn't finish it. They found it odd how the wealthy aristocrats just accepted their family back in after eight years of being away, Mm -hmm. just like they took this long vacation and they weren't just down the road in the village so poor, but now they all just want to be friends again. And Elaine definitely was like, this is strange, but Nesta was definitely having a harder time with it. Yeah, of course, because she couldn't be glamoured. She knows (laughs) knows exactly what happened exactly where this wealth came from well maybe not exactly yet but she will (laughs) (laughs) elaine tells fira nesta went to look for her and that elaine also feels weird bringing her friends around the manor because of nesta she's been quiet and withdrawn and she asks fira if she thinks that if she could talk to nesta and fira's like we haven't had a conversation that hasn't ended in an argument like ever (laughs) so yeah not Not sure what you want me to do, Elaine. (laughs) You're the middle child. Figure it out. (laughs) You'll be the peacekeeper. Exactly. So Elaine says that Nesta went to look for her, which Figaro finds so strange, and that Nesta was gone about a week, but her carriage broke down and she had to come back before making it to Feyre. So Feyre just thinks it was Tamlin's magic that turned her back around and that was it. But we will soon find out that that is yes. not the case. Yes. Feyre then finds out from her father that she is now a very wealthy woman. She invests some of her money into her father's business and asks her father to build up some small bags of money for her so she can head off to the village with them. She walks back to their village and to their cottage and sees her woods. And she is looking at this old cottage that Elaine said that she weirdly missed because the new house that they're living in is so big and that the father is so busy that it just seems so odd for her to be so away from everyone when they've been on top of each other for eight years. Yeah, she probably feels 
a little bit of alone too because before yeah. even though they weren't really together or hung out together they were still forced to be in the same room literally yeah exactly and Vera is just looking at the old cottage with hatred she cannot see what elaine was thinking yeah though she doesn't think elaine has been back to look at what the old cottage looks like right but she can't see what elaine is seeing she is just missing tamlin and she hopes that one day she's just gonna wake up after going to bed and be back in the manor house back with tamlin but she knows that that is not gonna happen she's disappointed every time she wakes up and she just knows that he's in danger with amarantha and she just hopes that she wasn't hurting him yeah chapter 30 so fear is walking to the poorest parts of the village to give the money but it takes her a long time to get there because people are being nosy wanting to know about her wealth and about her great aunt and probably trying to get her to give them money but she does not have the time for them she is heading off to the people who actually need this money she also sees thomas mandre with his friends talking about a house fire that had trapped a whole family inside and that they were going to go see if they could loot any out of the house Uh but she doesn't really pay too much attention to what they're saying in this moment because she sees Isaac for the first time since she left Mm -hmm. and he is with his new wife and she can see their new love Isaac looks at her and is shocked to see her and the new wife looks a little nervous to be seeing Vera in her nice clothes that she's wearing now and like uh oh our love is so new like is she gonna come back in and ruin all of this but they kind of just nod their head and like hellos and knows that they're both on a better path than they were and they leave it at that and there's no real conversation that happens between them which was I feel like just a nice moment of closure for Isaac and Farah. yeah I agree. So she arrives back at home and she finally has a conversation with Nesta. They haven't spoken since she's arrived back here. And she was looking at her hand with her calluses on them. And Nesta's like, you're going to have to wear gloves all the time if you're going to try to hide those. And Feyre says, maybe I don't want to fit in with your social circles. And Nesta's like, then why are you here? And Feyre's like, this is my home, isn't it? And Nesta's like, I don't think it is. I think your home is very very far away and that's when Farah is like something is not right and this is when we find out that Nesta knows that the beast took her the glamour did not work on her but every time she thought that she was going crazy she would look at that flower on the table along with the claw marks and remind herself of what actually happened that it was very hard on her to watch her father and sister go from hysterically crying to being fine that she was gone because of the glamour Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't right to Nesta that's what she just kept saying because Feyre was so weirded out that she would be concerned about what happened to her and Nesta's like but it wasn't right yeah a week after the beast took Farah, she hired the mercenary that she had been talking to previously in the village and paid her with the money that she had gotten from the pelt so really the mercenary just got their got money their back. money back yeah <laughs> But not only did she hire the mercenary to go 
to the wall to find Fira in Perithian, but Nesta went along with the mercenary. She didn't just hire her and let her go on her own. She actually went to the wall with the mercenary. And this is when Fira realizes that Nesta cares. And she admits that she does care. She has hated Fira for how she has been able to care for them in a way that she never could. Mm -hmm. And Fira's like, but you spent the money just as quickly as our father did. And Nesta was like, but I knew you could get more. And I was hoping that our father would step up and take care of his family instead of having to have you do it. Yeah. And this is actually my notable line for this section, just because I think it's such a good line between sisters when they finally make up and it's just worth it to me to read it. So (laughs) notable line, page 265. I looked at my sister, really looked at her, at this woman who couldn't stomach sycophants, who now surrounded her, who had never spent a day in the forest, but had gone into wolf territory, who had shrewded the loss of our mother, then our downfall in an icy rage and bitterness, because the anger had been a lifeline, the cruelty a release. But she had cared beneath it. She had cared and perhaps loved more fiercely than I could comprehend, more deeply and loyally. Aww. They're finally the sisters we all knew they could be. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were the sisters that they always were, but now they can finally see each other's point of view now that they're not in survival mode. Exactly. And they can appreciate how each other cares. Even though Mm. it was an icy rage and bitterness, she can now take that as, okay, Nesta did care and this is how she shows it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But... Nesta does say, I still hate our father. I have always hated him since our mother died. I hated him before we were poor. And it was because he didn't do everything in his power to not save their mother. They had money. He could have gone to the continent. He could have gone over the wall. He could have done something instead of watching her rot away. And Nesta says, Feyre would have done anything to save her high lord. And Feyre's like, yes, I would have. Yeah. That's a good point, Nesta. Yep. Maybe he didn't love her as much as he thought he did. <laughs> chapter 31. One more chapter We're to so talk close. about before we get to the major chapter 32. Yes, I can't wait. This ball that the father is throwing for her and Elaine is helping with occurs, but she sticks by Nesta's side who seems to be scaring off anyone who wants to talk to Feyre. <laughs> Elaine, though, greets everyone and dances with all the important men's son, doing the dutiful daughter for her father, and Nesta and Feyre are just hanging out in the corner, not wanting any part of this, which is totally all their personalities. Yep. The party went on for hours, and around 2 a.m., Feyre then goes up to her room without saying goodbye. Nesta had already left at midnight, mm-hmm. and nothing really of importance happens at this ball. Like, I was happened. thinking something would. Like, somebody <laughs> was going to show up for her, either yeah. Amarantha or Lucian or Alice. Someone. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was definitely a missed opportunity here to have this massive ball, but then nothing happened. Yeah, nothing. (laughs) The next morning, though, we do get some juicy information. I guess it's not the next morning, it's the next afternoon by the time they're all up and about. She hears her father saying how he's going to buy the Bedour land after a fire had killed the entire family, but Claire's body wasn't found. And Feyre is shook. She's Mm -hmm. like, who? What family? 
And Elaine is like, remember our friend, Claire Benor. And Feyre feels sick. This is the name that she had given Rhysand prior to him vanishing. Mm -hmm. And after Tamlin and Lucian begged on their knees to not report back to Amarantha. So obviously the name was leaked. Yes. Feyre then starts to come up with a game plan, giving her orders on what to do if anything seems strange with the wall they are to sail south. Not to mention her name, not to mention anything that Feyre has told her, because when they were having their little heart-to-heart section, I forgot to mention last chapter, Feyre fills her in on her time in Perthian and everything that happened, because Mm -hmm. obviously the glamour didn't work, so she knew where she was, so she told her everything. Yeah. Once Feyre starts talking about the wall, this kind of triggers something in Elaine and their father, and their memories are starting to come back. Feyre didn't know exactly what the trigger word would be to get their memories back, but she didn't have time. So she just leaves the instructions with Nesta and Nesta is helping her get ready to go back over the wall. Nesta wants to know what her game plan is and Feyre is not sure. All she knows is that she has to get back there and she has to help Tamlin and Lucian and save them from this blight. Yes. So here's my notable line for this chapter, page 271, where Nesta says, Father once told you never to come back, and I'm telling you now, we can take care of ourselves. Yes. This is the most loving thing she can say to her in this moment. And in this time, she's not taking what Nesta is saying as an insult. She realizes that this is her giving her a gift. Yes. So this time, she's not so sad about hearing those words. She knows that this isn't her home. This isn't where she's supposed to be. And her family is perfectly fine. Her vow to her mother is fulfilled and she doesn't need to take care of them anymore. They're taking care of themselves. And so she needs to go live her own life with her high lord now. (laughs) Yes. Go back home, Feyre. Go. Go back home. Elaine has a horse and supplies ready for her when she comes back down the stairs. And she says, I would have liked to see the continent with you. Oh, Elaine. (laughs) Now you can go with your father. I know. I feel like she's having these nice little moments with her sisters in these past couple chapters. It was nice to see before we head back into all this craziness. Definitely. Feyre then rides to the wall in two days. And it then takes her, though, a couple days to find the opening in the wall so her horse is not happy about this but when she finally finds the gate in the opening she gets the horse to go through and as she arrives back at the manor there are no birds chirping there are no noises at all the gate is destroyed and so is the manor she is calling out for tamlin for lucian and no one is at the manor when she gets back it no is one. destroyed and empty. Wild. And now, thank God we're here. Here we are at chapter 32, the big beastie and a really big turning point in our book. Yes. Yay. Here we go. Fira is assessing the damage to the manor and she grabs a knife and is hiding when she sees someone limping back into the manor and sniffing around like they can smell her and she is nervous but when the person finally turns around and fully faces her she realizes that it's alice and she runs up to her and she's like what happened where is everyone tell me 
everything. Alice is not happy to see See her her. back at the manor and says, you were told to stay in the mortal lands and not to come back. But of course it is Vera and she does what she wants. Exactly. Alice then tells Vera that Tamlin and Lucian are alive But they, along with the court, have been forced to go under the mountain besides the lower fairies like herself where they would just be killed for sport. But Alice seems to be okay besides a little limp in her step. Yeah, she survived for now. Alice tells her that there was no blight. What? Wild. We've only been talking about this blight or hearing about this blight the entire book. But here we are. 32 chapters later, and we find out there is no blight, but there was a curse on this land that was put on Tamlin by Amarantha. Now Alice is going to get into everything about Amarantha and what this curse is, all while gathering supplies from the kitchens and anything that she can find in clothing, as Alice is like, I need to get out of here. We need to find a safe spot, and we need to pack up. Alice tells us that Amarantha is the high queen of these lands, that it used to be seven high lords, but when she showed up a hundred years ago as an emissary for Highburn, she went from court to court, charming the high lords with talks of trades between the two lands. She lived bound to no court for 50 years to make amends for her actions and Highburns during the war. We get the background on Amarantha that she fought on the side of the Fae and Highburn against the mortals. She was ruthless, her and her sister were, but her sister fell in love with a human named Jurian, and even though Amarantha warned her away from him, she loved her sister so much that she didn't put a stop to it. Jurian was the woman that her sister loved, and he was just using her to get information on Amarantha's armies. Once he had enough information, he brutally murdered her. And chopped her up like a butcher. Yes, in the most disgusting way. When the treaty was forged, she slaughtered her slaves instead of setting them free. But the High Lord still believed her when she said the death of her sister changed her. It changed yeah, it her changed so her all right. She slaughtered her, <laughs> slaughtered her slaves instead of setting them free. Okay. Changed her into a raging bitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even more than she was before. I know. The High Lords also didn't know that the ships that were carrying over the goods that they were now getting from Highburn were also carrying her own personal forces. The King of Highburn also didn't know that she was doing this either. That he knew about the trades, but he did not know that in those trading ships that her own personal forces were coming over from Highburn and into Perithian. She decided that she wanted to take Perithian for herself and without his consent. Amarantha knew that she would not be able to take the High Lords on her own, even with her own personal army. So the conniving little biatch that she is invites them all to a gathering where she slipped poison in their drinks. This poison was from the King of Highburn's own personal unholy spell book, 
and it diminished their powers, leaving them only the basest of their elemental magic. So they went from being the most powerful high lords, they were power, according to the surreal, mm -hmm. and now they just had the base level of what their power could be. For 49 years to plan a way to break the treaty and invade the mortal lands as she despises humans, especially after what happened to her sister. So she was never fond of humans, obviously, because she fought on the side of Highburn and yeah. not giving up their slaves. But now that humans or a human brutally murdered her sister, she hates all mortals and she is out to do whatever she can to take back those mortal lands for herself. She's not even aligning with Highburn anymore, who we know wanted those lands back and that's why he sent over his emissaries into the mortal lands and into Prithian and to other fake courts to see how they felt about everything but now she is gone rogue she is going to take Prithian and take the mortal lands for herself because she hates the humans so much yes she is the deceiver she is <laughs> alice tells fair that she could have been the one to stop the curse but they weren't allowed to tell her any of the specific details as that was a part of the curse amarantha knew tamlin from before the spring court as amanda has mentioned earlier that she knew Tamlin from when he was a child and Highburn was fighting alongside the Spring Court against the humans. Mm -hmm. But over time, she grew to desire Tamlin and he was very wary of her because he had heard stories about what she had done to the mortals and to Jurian and her attempts to seduce him into her bed were failing. He was not having it. No. Though he was a child when all this was going on and he knew who she was, he had heard from other people about how awful she was, and he yeah. was very wary. He was not getting into her bed. <laughs> no. He was like, fuck this crazy bitch. <laughs> yeah. I am not getting entangled with that. No, thank you. <laughs> Lucian was sent as emissary to negotiate peace between them. Amarantha refuses this peace, and Lucian tells her to crawl back to the shithole that she came from. Freaking Lucian cannot keep his mouth shut ever. Nope. And this is when she claws out his eyeball Ugh. and scars his face. It was so bad and he was so bloody that when Lucian arrived back at the spring court, Tamlin threw up at the sight of his friend. Wow. I can only imagine that Tamlin has seen some fucked up things from yeah. his time in the war camps. But seeing his friend coming back after he sent him there as emissary for him, destroyed, his eyeball gone, missing, so bloody that he throws up. Yeah. We also know that Tamlin takes everything on himself, so the burden he must have felt and the guilt he must feel after this occurring for Lucian is probably unimaginable. Yeah, which also, as you say that, brings up a good point about all the dead fairies that he's had to even kill, and that's why Feyre notices that he, even though he's slaughtering them, he still feels for them, and this is the reason right here. It's because this is all because of him and his resentment towards this girl who just wants nothing but to be with him. And he's like, hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. After Lucian's brutal encounter with Amarantha, she decides to make up for everything. She's going to host 
a masquerade ball under the mountains for herself to make amends for Lucian, and she invites the entire spring court and has them wear masks. She does this, she says, so that Lucian will not feel out of place with his missing eye mm-hmm. and the scar in his face. They should have so, known she wasn't this sweet. <laughs> I know, exactly. When they're all gathered, she says peace could be had if Tamlin joins her as her lover and consort. But when she tries to touch Tamlin, he wouldn't let her anywhere near him after what she did to Lucian. He said he would rather take a human to his bed, marry a human, than ever be with her. That even her sister preferred the company of Jurian and humans over her. Which (laughs) maybe the first part could have been forgiven, but when she brought her sister and Jurian into the comment, that is when she's like, uh-uh. Yeah. No, and we thought, we're not going to get away with that. <laughs> and we thought Lucian couldn't keep his mouth shut. Oof, Tamlin's just as bad in this moment. Yeah, Tamlin is digging a deep hole. <laughs> yes. Amarantha tells Tamlin that he has seven times the seven years to find a human girl who had hate in her heart for the Fae and make her fall in love with him. But there are conditions to this curse. The human girl must kill one of his men in an unprovoked attack with hate in her heart. Amarantha also knew that beauty mattered to humans, and so the masks that they were wearing would also be stuck on their faces to make it harder for Tamlin to make a connection with that human girl. She also bound the entire court to be unable to speak about the curse. The blight was the best thing that he could say. He needed to get Feyre to fall in love with him, and that would break the curse. So, Feyre had to kill the wolf unprovoked in the attack, which she did, mm-hmm. come to the lands, and then fall in love with Tamlin without anyone telling her that there was a curse going on. Check, and check, basically, check. all of those things <laughs> happened, yes. except she never told Tamlin that she loved him. So. Yes. The curse was not broken. Alice says that she can even be telling Feyre about the curse means that Amarantha feels that the game is over. Tamlin had sent out his men all the time when she had first put this curse on him, but his men kept getting killed by hunters or older women or people who didn't meet the requirements of this curse. So after a while, Tamlin stopped sending his men until this past winter. He just felt so much guilt over sending these men to die for him and it not even be what they needed it to be. Exactly, yeah, which is so sad. Amarantha executed them and their closest family members, and those courts were day, summer, and winter. Their successors were too terrified to go after her after that. And she keeps all of the High Lords now under the mountain with her and their courts. We know that this is why Alice fled the summer court and came to spring. She asked Tamlin to hide her nephews, and he did. Her sister and her mate were one of the Fae brutally murdered when Amarantha came to power. Tamlin thought if he did fall for this human girl to break the curse, it was another form of slavery for the human, and Amarantha would destroy her anyways. So that's why Tamlin also stopped for a long time. He tried to find other ways to break this curse, but alas, nothing could be done and so with one last hope that past winter he sent Andrus out into the forest and that is where he encountered Vera 
and all of this brings us to today yeah. and everything that Feyre and Tamlin has gone through. So Alice is upset and calls her a stupid, stupid girl, saying all she had to do was tell Tamlin that she loved him. Tamlin had three days left when he sent her away. Yeah, so I don't feel like it's all her fault because she was getting so close. It was on the tip of her tongue and then Tamlin sends her away. He knew that he just felt like it was pointless to even have the curse broken, I think. And he thought, I can go and live under the mountain and deal with the consequences and keep the person that I love out of this, I think is what overpowered his decision Mm -hmm. about breaking the curse. It was like, break the curse and maybe Feyre dies or... I can just send Feyre back and believe that she'll be safe and go under the mountain and deal with this. Better me than her. Exactly. He would rather take on the consequences like we've seen him do time and time again than ever have Feyre take any consequences for him. Right. Because he loves her. Yeah. Hyburn also hasn't shown any signs that they are upset with Amarantha for going against the King of Hyburn's orders. So we haven't heard a peep from them. We don't know how they're feeling Mm -hmm. about Amarantha being this receiver and taking Perithian in control on her own and not including her king which I think is very interesting she's yeah. had control now for 49 years yes she's been there for 100 but she's had control for 49 years and the king of Highburn hasn't said a peep about it that just doesn't seem yeah. right to me he's plotting over there he is most definitely plotting I think it's just interesting there hasn't been any attacks from Highburn against Amarantha when she clearly disobeyed orders. Yeah. Well, I guess 50 years is nothing to him since the first time around he waited 100 years. True. (laughs) That is very, very true. Alice also lets us in on the fact that all the lethal fairies in their land that were even too awful for the night court flooded to Amarantha for sanctuary and she gave it to them. She is building her own army and getting ready to invade the mortal world. Mm-hmm. Feyre then wants to know if Tamlin got his powers back, could he kill Amarantha. Alice doesn't really know and it's too late now. Mm -hmm. The curse cannot be broken because the time frame is up. Seven times the seven years is now over. It's been over and on the day to the exact minute is when Amarantha's forces showed up and took Tamlin and Lucian in the court under the mountain Mm -hmm. and destroyed the manor. Fear asked Alice to go under the mountain. She's like, how do I get there? How do I find Amarantha? How do I find Tamlin? How do I find Lucian? I need to save them. This was on me. I didn't break the curse. And now I need to go under the mountain and save them. Mm -hmm. Alice is like, you are insane. You will never last a second down there. You are a human. You need to go home. You need to go back to the mortal lands where Tamlin sent you and you need to be safe. And Feyre's like, absolutely not. If I get Tamlin his powers back, can he kill her? And Alice is like, I really don't know, but I think maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Possibly. And finally, Feyre convinces Alice to bring her to Under the Mountain so that she can go and start her journey to save Tamlin. And that is how Chapter 32 ends. Wild. So crazy. So crazy. The information that we get in this chapter. Yes. I feel like this whole section was just like, bah. 
just like crazy thing yeah. after crazy thing i was like oh my god yeah. there is no blight this was a curse this is why there was a curse you didn't break the curse because all you had to say was i love you yeah. and now you're gonna go and be a stupid human and go under the mountain and get yourself killed is basically how alice feels yeah while she's packing supplies like she's like i'm hightailing out of here yeah <laughs> Well, they know that Amarantha is killing other Fae for sport. So if you're not with Mm -hmm. her, you're against her. And she will kill Alice if she finds her. So it's even more showing of their relationship that she agrees to even help her knowing that she could die too. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, she agrees to bring her to where Under the Mountain is. Yeah. We'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. (laughs) We'll be going under the mountain in the next chapter. I knew it. I fucking knew it. I know. I was trying so hard to just be like, oh, I don't know, Amanda. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, I mean, it was pretty obvious for this one only because of the dedication she Mm -hmm. wouldn't have said that if it wasn't going to happen in this book specifically she would have done it in another book so i definitely knew we were going there so in that case let's just head over to your predictions before i get into my predictions today i just wanted to mention that before we posted episode two and i was editing it i was listening to megan talk about the magical shining things that kept popping up and i don't know how i put it together but I just put it together that they were all still there and they were she was just glamored by them I mean I guess we get that the family's glamored there's all these instances now where we're learning about glamour and seeing these sparkling magic on the side figures yeah yeah. and how everybody in the fire night to her was like funny looking and she couldn't quite see them but knew they were there and she was feeling this magic and thought it was maybe just the weather but no it's all these freaking people around you so I totally picked up on that and texted Megan and was like oh my god you were literally dangling it in front of my face like a carrot and it just went right over my head until I was editing and could really pay attention to what we were saying but wow I was gonna mention it at the beginning of this episode but then I was like oh we, we kind of find out in this section anyway so I'll just mention it later but yeah I totally picked up on that first (laughs) yeah I definitely try to say things in a way that people who have read the books think it's kind of funny that I'm saying it in a certain way yeah and then it's also funny to just see it kind of go over your head until (laughs) it gets to that part I even was like oh you're so dumb Amanda like what are you doing pay attention when you talk (laughs) but Anyway, I just thought that was so funny, and I thought I really wanted you to share that. Yeah, this no, definitely. I wish I knew the text. We have like a zillion more texts since then or else I would read it But because it was funny. But yeah, maybe for another day. (laughs) Yes, maybe the final thoughts episode will find it. Yes. All right. right. So I kind of got rid of the predictions that were wrong at this point just because there's no point in hashing them out now. So Mm -hmm. we already talked about how they're going to go under the mountains and that I totally picked up on that our trio was going to go there. I did not, however, pick up that Fair was going to go on her own. I thought Mm -hmm. that maybe... They would be going together to fight whatever this blight was. Also not knowing that there was no blight and it was just this evil bitch and Marantha. (laughs) But (laughs) I totally am okay with how this played out because it still is such a good storyline. 
So, and the other prediction that I previously made was that her family was going to come back into the story. And I was, again, half wrong thinking that maybe it was going to be as bait to get Feyre to do something or punish Feyre for her pissing someone off. But I am not mad again at how Tamlin releases her and lets her go home. Because not only do we see that he cares more about her than this curse and he really loves her, kind of solidifies it in that moment. But I also love that Nesta went after her and her and Feyre have these moments together. I think it just makes me appreciate Nesta more and Mm. makes me actually like her character instead of wanting to bash my head on the table every time we read about her. Well, I think Nesta will always give you a headache a little bit when yeah. she's doing the things that she's doing. But yeah, you can see some redeeming Definitely. characteristics in her during these past couple of chapters. Yeah, exactly. So I do have a few new predictions. Now, we've already mentioned that the curse cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. It's too late. The 49 years, 7 by 7 has been completed. The time is out. But I still think that her telling Tamlin that she loves him, something within him will get the magic back from that whether it's that they've become a mated bond and he just has this growth of power because of it and there's going to be some love power that he's going to get I don't know (laughs) I just feel like he's going to end up with his powers somehow after he hears Feyre say I love you she's going to make it there she's going to say it to him and then we'll see how it goes from there but I think obviously she's going to have to be sneaky going up to through this mountain she can't make herself known and which is going to be hard because they can smell her and they can feel her presence and Mm -hmm. she probably has people glamored all over the place (laughs) that are her spies and yeah i also think that this poor claire is not going to make it out alive i feel like they're going to do what they can to save her but i don't think she's going to make it out alive I feel like Amarantha is going to realize before Feyre gets there that Claire is not Feyre. And I feel like she's going to be anticipating her arrival, which will make things interesting. But we'll, well see. I guess we'll find out. Yes, I can't wait. We need to stop recording so I can go read. <laughs> yes, we need to get to the good stuff. Yes, for sure. So that's all we have for you today. I am so excited to continue reading and see how this all plays out. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving us reviews and comments on any of the platforms you're listening slash watching on or on our social media pages. This helps tremendously to get the word out and leave more listeners to find our show and tune in. Yes, please don't forget to email, follow, subscribe, Rate us five stars, tell all your friends about us, and next week we will be covering chapters 33 to 39, and I can't wait to go under the mountain with you guys. Yes, we're going under the mountain, finally. (laughs) I don't know if we should be super excited, but I am excited that you are right about this, so I will be excited that we're going under the mountain. Yeah, that's mostly why I'm excited. I'm going to be terrified as I'm reading every single word, (laughs) like anticipating something horrible to happen. But I'm just excited I'm right in this moment. (laughs) We will all get through under the mountain together. Yes, yes, we will. We know they have to survive because there's four more books and a fifth (laughs) coming. So we'll see what happens. Okay, we'll see. All right. We hope the rest of your day is blissful. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week where we start part four of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, covering chapters 33 through 39. Happy reading! Happy reading!